Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Happy Easter! This is certainly an important weekend for Christians as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross on Friday, His rest on Sabbath, and most importantly, His resurrection on Sunday. And no matter how you are celebrating Easter, we hope you take some time to reflect on this great act of love that was done for all of us. Pastor's going to touch more on this at the end of the service. And speaking of the end of the service, we're also going to be doing communion today. So please make sure you've got your juice and your bread or your crackers ready for that. You know, we're in week three of our Holy Spirit small groups. And this week we're talking about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I wish we could spend several weeks on just this part. In week one, we talked about uh, how sometimes the Holy Spirit is almost like a forgotten part of the Trinity. Sometimes he's treated like a hanger-on or a follower or an afterthought. We have God the Father and God the Son. And yeah, over there in the corner, we've also got the Holy Spirit. Now he's kind of like the black sheep of the Trinity or something. In week two, we talked about the history of the Holy Spirit, or at least our understanding of the Holy Spirit through the ages. And, and sometimes we kind of fall into a thinking that God the Father was active in the Old Testament, and then Jesus is active in the first part of the New Testament, and then, the, and then it's the Holy Spirit's turn. And I think nothing could be farther from the truth. All three have been active throughout all of history. But it can be difficult to understand how the Holy Spirit was involved throughout all of history. But a careful study will show that He was. In many instances in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God is used instead of Holy Spirit. We don't always connect the dots. And in some ways, for me personally, it's kind of hard to not completely understand the Trinity and the Holy Spirit. I mean, these are deep topics, and I want to understand how it all works. But in other ways, I'm glad I don't understand. I think that any God that I could completely understand and distill into a few theological phrases is probably not worthy of my worship. So this week, we're talking about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose? Why does He exist? What does He bring to the table that God the Father and God the Son don't? Tough questions. And I'm sure we're not going to get to the bottom of all that today, but we're going to give it a go. Originally, I thought I was going to go through and highlight a few things from John 14, 15, and 16, because Jesus gives a pretty good idea of what the Holy Spirit's function is there. And I encourage you to read those couple of chapters and, and look for what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit there. But I think I'm going to try and cover more than that, because I don't think that Jesus intended these statements in John to be the end-all, be-all description of the Holy Spirit. So I saw an article from Brittany Rust in 2018 on Crosswalk.com, and so I little kudos to her because a lot of this comes from 
from her article. And we're really gonna have to bang through this because this is much more of an overview. And hopefully you'll look at these texts more completely later. Because you're gonna have your notes, either go to our website or sermons.church and, and find us. Um, sometimes, um, you, you know, you're just gonna wanna write this down. And we can have a hard time understanding what the Holy Spirit does. So here are 10 things the Holy Spirit does. This is not an exhaustive list. It's just an overview to get us started. So hopefully you've got your notes or some paper. You're ready to go. All right, here we go. We're diving in. Number one, the Holy Spirit is your helper. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, this has got to be one of the weirder things Jesus says, right? It's to your advantage that I leave. That's just plain old crazy talk. I can't imagine what the disciples were thinking when he said that. And there's probably more than one reason why this is true. You know, when Jesus is in human form, he can only do so much. He can only be in one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit, without a human form, can be in a lot of places at the same time. Remember, God is omnipresent. He can be everywhere. And when I think of the Holy Spirit, this is how I primarily think of him. God with us, helping us and empowering us to live a flourishing life that radiates the goodness of God. I don't know about you, but I am constantly aware of my divine, of my need for divine help. As my human side fights for control, it's the spirit that steps in and helps me be who God created me to be. And when you're feeling powerless, or tired, or like you're failing at life, you can have confidence as a believer that you're not alone. You can start each day knowing that the Holy Spirit is there to help you. He is the power that sustains and energizes and keeps you on the holy path. Do not hesitate to invite Him in. This is also where we get the idea of comforter from. The word helper in Greek is paraclete. You've probably heard that before. And the word paraclete has an idea of comforting with it. Um, and, and so many people call the Holy Spirit the comforter. And this is absolutely true. He is. But I think sometimes in our modern Western view of the world, we get that all distorted and mixed up. Have you ever worked on a job that was heavy or hard all by yourself? Generally, that's no fun. It's a lot better when you have some help. And, and we don't, that way we don't feel alone, we don't feel abandoned, and, and we are comforted when we have a helper, right? You've, you've experienced this. However, to the modern Western mind, when I say the Holy Spirit is a comforter, we tend to think that his job is to make us comfortable. Okay, if you want to be comfortable, you know, I want a five-bedroom house with four baths and central heat and air and a pool and an 80-inch TV. And, oh, oh, I really love a high-end luxury car with all the add-on and extras. That would make me comfortable. That's not what the Holy Spirit is here for. In fact, I've said for years 
that one of my jobs as a leader in the church is to make the people who come to church comfortable. We have a nice building. We have a nice service. We want people to feel welcomed and relaxed. And we do all this so the Holy Spirit can make you feel uncomfortable about some things in your lives. The Holy Spirit will convict you about the things in your life, and that will make you uncomfortable. But when you are down and out, when you're sitting in jail like Paul and Silas, in chains with your backs beaten, the Holy Spirit will be there to help and comfort you. He'll be there to give you the strength to continue on. And maybe I'm splitting hairs here a little bit, but I think this is really important. And not having this understanding just right causes issues. So it's important to get the difference between being a comforter and making us comfortable. Okay? Number two, uh, he imparts God's love to us. Romans 5, chapter uh, verse 3 to 5 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. We can find love in our suffering as we endure trials God's love is poured into us through the Spirit. And it's this love that carries us through the hard seasons. When you are doubting God's love in your difficulties, remember that the Spirit pours love into your heart. Number three, the Holy Spirit teaches and gives insight. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper of the Holy Spirit whom my Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I've heard people said that they tried reading the Bible and it was too hard or confusing. If you've ever felt like this, keep after it. The Holy Spirit will give you insight into what you are reading. And furthermore, he'll help you recall what you've been, what you've already read in the scriptures. He will bring to your mind understanding and truth. Have you ever had one of those moments when you're in a situation and a scripture verse that you read or memorized years ago pops into your head, encouraging you in that moment? That was the Holy Spirit reminding you of what you had been taught. He will help you with understanding and the ability to recall important verses that apply to your life. Number four. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you. But 1 Corinthians uh, 6.11 says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, as you probably remember, sanctified means to be set apart as special or sacred. And essentially, it's the removal of sin and the spiritual maturing to become more Christ-like. This is an important process for the believer, leaving behind the old and becoming a new person. But it's a daily process, and it takes time. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in the process of sanctification, to die to your old self, and to be all that God created you to be, to be free from the entanglement of sin, and to live victoriously. 
And that's kind of basically what sanctification means, the removal of sin from our lives. We never get there all the way, but that's the goal. Number five, the Holy Spirit makes you more like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, Moses experienced God's glory on the mountaintop once, but we have communion with him every day. Theologian Warren Wearsby writes, Moses reflected on the glory of God, but you and I may radiate the glory of God. When we meditate on God's word and we see it in God's Son, then the Spirit transforms us. We become more like the Lord Jesus Christ as we grow from glory to glory. Now, our goal is to be like Christ, and this takes place through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last point was focused on sanctification and the removal of sin. This is focused on now, once we've removed that sin, transforming into that image of Christ. We don't want to just remove sin and be kind of neutral. We want to remove sin and be like Christ. Number six, the Holy Spirit helps you to do the Father's will. Acts chapter 8, verse 29 says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Most of us can't run as fast as a horse. And I'm guessing Philip couldn't either. But he was willing to allow the Spirit to help him do the Father's will. Throughout the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit direct people to do the will of God. He helps us tune into the voice of the Father and in faith do what we believe He's calling us to do. Ask the Spirit to show you what the Father's will would be for you today and ask him to empower you to carry it out. Number seven, the Holy Spirit gifts you for ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11, talk about spiritual gifts and how the Holy Spirit is involved in that. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. See, the Holy Spirit imparts to believer 
gifts that are needed in the church. Nobody receives all the gifts, but they're distributed among the body of Christ, each person receiving different gifts. And the gift or gifts you will receive empower you to for the calling that God has placed on your life. Embrace what God has put inside of you and be an instrument for the kingdom. Number eight, the Holy Spirit gives hope. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. If God is a God of hope, then we should hope as God hopes. Let me say that again. If God is a God of hope, then we should hope as God hopes. This is only possible in abundance through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's hope that carries people through all the trials and tribulations. Hope is fuel for the soul. Tap into this by His power and experience peace among your surroundings. Number nine, the Holy Spirit guides your prayers. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. Sometimes we have no words when it's time to pray. The grief or anxiety or the pressure or the whatever can leave us empty and used up. Or we have so much to say that we aren't sure where to start. Ever experienced that? Sometimes we don't have to have the right words. The Holy Spirit knows just what to say. Lean into Him and allow Him to express to the Father what needs to be said. Number 10, the Holy Spirit will help you be evangelistic. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, telling others about Jesus and making disciples is our most important role on this earth. It's literally the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. And having the Holy Spirit with us means having the power to be a witness, to tell people what Jesus did for them on the cross and how he conquered death and reigns victoriously, especially this Easter weekend when people are thinking about this. Don't shy away from being an advocate for Christ. It's what you are called to do. Allow the Spirit to empower you for the kingdom purpose of making disciples. Now, I know we raced through that. That was so fast. But you can always go back and watch the video again. Amen? So you can check out the notes and the verses later. Remember, this is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. He's an equal and important part of the Trinity. I think we probably need to be more intentional about how we talk about the Holy Spirit and how we interact with the Holy Spirit. 
I hope you've been enjoying this series as much or more than I have. This has been great. Next week, the pastor will finish up the series for us. But today, now, we're going to enter our communion time. But before we do that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, you know, thank you so much for all this that you've packed in the Bible for us about what the Holy Spirit does. It helps us understand at least partially, Lord, what's happening. Thank you for that quote-unquote view behind the curtain. And we can have a better understanding of, of the Trinity and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Help us to, to lean into the Holy Spirit, to accept His workings in our lives, the power that He brings, the help that He brings, the comfort that He brings, that He helps us do Your will. All these things, Lord. Help us to accept those and want those into our lives so that we can be better evangelists for you. So that we can point other people to you, Lord. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, pastor is going to lead us in communion. Thank you so much. Hello, friends. Before we partake in the emblems of communion, I wanted to share a quick thought. Paul Jones tells of a, a story of a woman that he met, and I don't know her name, so let's just call her Samantha. And when Samantha was a very small young child, she contracted polio, and, and needless to say, it affected her life to a, a great depth. Um, uh, she had many challenges growing up, and one of the challenges that she especially felt was a uh, feeling of insecure, being unloved, and and being a burden to other people that uh, when at times when she would go out with her mom, especially when they went to church, she would actually ask, hey, can I can I wear uh, your locket? And it was her mother's, uh, I believe it was her mother's favorite locket. And the mother thought, okay, sure. And so she would let her wear the locket. But the real reason why Samantha wanted to wear the locket was at least she would make sure she would come back, have to come back and get me. Her sense of self-worth and value was very, very low. In fact, she felt like I was, she was a burden to her family. Yet she didn't realize that she was valuable. Her mother loved her, absolutely. And how many times do we perhaps maybe in a moment of weakness, we feel like we are unloved? Yet God, he sent his one and only son Jesus into this world to not only live, but to die for us, as represented even in this cross, a symbol of, of hope, really. And though Jesus gave his life for us, he beat sin and he beat death. And on the third day, he rose again. I want you to just uh, take a moment to pause and think what God has done in your life. Perhaps maybe you're new to this, and, and if you are, and you want to learn more about Jesus and what, what Jesus means to us, reach out to us. Let us know. We'd be happy to join in the journey with you of discovering who Jesus is. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son into the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much as we get ready to go into this time of communion and we think about the bread and the cup and what it means, Lord, and your 
your blood that was spilled, your precious, innocent blood that was spilled, and the, the bread that represents your body, Lord. Such a, a gift is hard to comprehend, hard for us to deal with, Lord. But we are so grateful that you paid the price that we can have hope. Thank you so much for what you did for us, Lord. And we know it's a gift that we cannot repay. And so we just humbly say thank you, Lord. And we ask that you be with everybody that's participating. And when they drink the, the juice or the water, or whatever they have, or eat the bread or the cracker, Lord, that it represents being a part of you and your body, Lord. We ask that you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. In the first letter to Corinthians that Paul wrote, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And what a day that will be when Jesus comes with a, a shout of, and a trumpet Jesus will come, he will resurrect those who are still sleeping and will be all gathered together. I hope and pray that you have a wonderful Easter. Take time to think about what God has done in your life and be grateful. And I just wanna encourage you, continue to, to hold fast, to be strong and to be faithful. May your eyes be on Jesus and may you uh, bask in his love and his grace. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we pray that you will be with us in all aspects of our lives. Continue to lead and to guide us. May we never forget your great sacrifice for us. And may we, Lord, continue to be faithful to you, to be humble servants and disciples for you. Be with us as a church. And uh, Lord, thank you for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace. Have a great week. Take care. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.